This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yeah. my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly Thanks. examination are of all we things all? metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your damn podcast, man. You know where you wherever you get them. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We are there. Just search Metal Sucks Podcast and you will find it. Hit subscribe. That way it comes right to your device. You ain't going to worry about it anymore. You'll have it every single Monday when we post it. Otherwise, MetalSucks.net on Monday. That's when we like to put this thing up. Click on the podcast tab at the top of MetalSucks.net and you can find all of our past podcasts all listed right there in a happy little page. Happy, happy little page. Uh, so, yeah, do that. Make sure you do that. You hook up with us on social media. You can find me at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and Twitch. And you can find us on Instagram at Chuck and Godless. And our Patreon is ChuckandGodless.com. Patreon.com slash ChuckandGodless. They just did a thing now. I think you can actually do your PayPal on uh, on on Patreon now, which is pretty cool. So that's uh, so like you could do that to to hide your spending from the wife. That's <laughs> that's really good. You're doing what? Oh my god! <laughs> Why are you doing yeah. that? You don't look at the PayPal. Well, see, like for my <laughs> PayPal, like I have a, I'll do a little side work here and there, and I'll and I funnel a little bit of. I don't get a lot of money, but a little bit of money goes through my PayPal. But that pays for like my Xbox Live and a couple like things that are just me, right? And it has nothing doesn't touch the family. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like so all my extras go through there. So when I pay for my video game that I'm subscribed to, boom, you know, I, I pay through it through the pay, PayPal so I can hide all my expenses. <laughs> what? No, I'm not spending money on warships and World of Warships. No, no, I would never. Uh, no, no, that's it's a free game online. What are you talking about? No, it's another but free. So make sure you hook up with us on Patreon. You get some cool stuff, man, because uh, we posted extras of our interview last week, which was pretty cool with Ash Abelson. Uh, so we got that the whole bonus. Like I didn't even think about how long it was. Actually, like 20 minutes of our interview. That, that we posted just for our Patreon subscribers, so we've gotten a few extra, we've gotten a few add-ons here. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, joining us on the uh, Patreon. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, this we're week, gonna try to get some new stuff up this week. For I you think too. so because we got like we got too much to talk about on this show, which yes. is you know we can talk about so many things, but we got to talk about old people in metal. I mean, straight up, that's got to be uh, when I read Vince's uh, Vince's editorial, I was like, oh crap. Crap. Yeah, God damn it. You get off of my lawn, you son of a bitch. What are you talking about? Old people in metal. Whatever. That was a that was a great editorial in Metal Sucks, yeah. I dug it. I actually dug that quite a bit. So but it spurred a conversation, so we gotta we gotta talk about that a little bit here uh, on the show. And also our guest this week. Neil Fallon of the Mighty Clutch yeah. is our guest. Which I, I gotta 
I gotta say, I think we, I think we got three monsters in a row. I'm so proud of this conversation too. I mean, he was so cool to talk with, and going into it, I was a nervous wreck as to like whether he was gonna be like a, I don't know, just like difficult to talk with or whatever. But he wasn't. He was totally cool. Well, he's a stoic dude, you know. I mean, he's a he's a pretty stoic guy. He doesn't doesn't say much, you know. And when, when you see him around, I've read plenty of interviews with him over the over the years, and you know, he's he's just sort of he says what he got to say. So, you know, and that's it. And he just kind of moves on. And I think, um, you know, he was, he was pretty awesome, man. And he's got a uh, – we're going to play a song, I don't think, from uh, from Clutch. We're going to play one from a new project that he's got working. We talk a little bit about that in the interview. Uh, and then uh, let's see. What else are we going to do? We're going to play a new song from Korn in this one as well. Speaking of old people in metal. So <laughs> we'll hit that. We'll hit that. But uh, also, oh, on Patreon, one of the things you had posted was pretty cool. You, all the guests, uh, which you've done, like a ton of guest appearances on a, a number of other podcasts that I didn't, I haven't heard them all. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I'm trying. I feel bad. Like the uh, so you got to check out the Subversive Kingdom, uh, the Mike Erie podcast. Uh, it's a it's a theist Christian uh, podcast, and he just wanted to talk to me about my history with atheism, which I really appreciated. It ended up being a really warm and and uh, friendly conversation. And fortunately, you know, it, for me, it was great because he just like asked a question and then just sat back and and it wasn't meant to be a debate. It wasn't anything like that. So you know, I enjoyed talking about myself so it's kind of cool like that uh so you get to hear my history you know how angus young you know <laughs> steered me down the highway to hell um uh and you know stuff like that They're, the only bummer is that my audio wasn't very good but uh, uh-huh. so you'll freak out if you listen to it but oh, okay. uh, uh other than that it's it's uh uh it was it was just a really great uh, visit i really appreciate uh mike Erie called it something how to talk to an atheist and and i was laughing about it uh when i read that as the title I was like, hey, yeah well okay you just you know you just ask him a question and sit back and let the guy talk you know? <laughs> how, but he was kind how of to listen to an atheist not how to talk <laughs> to an atheist but what was cool about it is he, he just like, all right, so what were your objections along the way? And I can I can just see him like just taking notes and going, okay, I got to figure out how I can address each of these concerns, which I would think in most every theist mind that would be a good thing to do because how do you not have those same sorts of thoughts and objections to uh, theism? So yeah. anyway, yeah. Well, and which you've talked about that stuff like I'm bad Christian before, and that's one of the things uh, where those guys, you know, the, it's kind of more of an examination of what they're what they're faith and belief is and and all that and then when you challenge them then they they come up with answers which is kind of cool you know i think that's kind of a cool way to look at they try well i'm saying <laughs> come on you know what i'm saying i don't want to get into that debate but but you know but you know you know what i mean it's like they, they come they try to come up with answers that that will address the topics that you present to them uh, for not only their own brains to make them feel feel better but uh, but you know for their audience as well which i think is a good idea yeah, I love listening to those podcasts. Uh, you know, not, not just the ones I'm on, but like the, the the those guys put on a great show. So it's it's great to uh, to listen to Bad Christian Subversive Kingdom. Yeah, I enjoy enjoy listening to them because they're they're thinking very hard about their beliefs. Yeah, and that that is entertaining to listen to at times and informative to listen to at others. And when it's entertaining, it's usually because it's like listening to somebody talk about the intricacies of, uh, you know, Harry Potter and, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause Star Wars. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, know. Sort of, it's talking about a world that doesn't really exist, but boy, they're so bought in, you know, so it's, yeah, it's kind of fun. Well, and then also, well, yeah, and most of the time, right? Sometimes it can be a little rough. 
Well, all right. So uh, I made an appearance on another uh, theist podcast, uh, or, or I attempted to this week, and and it, it <laughs> I, about five minutes in, I had to hang up. It, I I have never had an experience like that before, and and I'm not quite sure why it 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 went so wrong so fast. I think there were a few things, but it, you know, the, the first thing was I was under the I I was under the understanding that it was going to be the host, and then it was going to be a conversation between myself and this pastor. But once the phone call began, I found that I was not only talking to this pastor; I was going to be talking to two theists. And it wasn't just like the, these guys are going to be, you know, sort of interested in having a conversation. These were two creationists. And so that means I'm trying to have a conversation with two incredibly stupid people. And that's going to be that. You know how it is. You can have a conversation with one really dumb person. I mean, you can have a conversation with one like super dumb person. I've done it before. You've done it every week since we started this podcast. Yeah, and you've been much. able to do it very, yeah. do it very successful. 157 episodes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, with, but with two, I mean, that's I mean, you're just going to jump out a window, you know. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, if one but of dude, them, you lost had, your cool. I mean, you lost I your t- cool I and t- had, had to had to roll. But I mean, that doesn't sound like you, man. You're the you're you're the you're the cool guy that can that can hold it under pressure, man. <laughs> yeah, usually. But what was happening was I kept on getting interrupted by not uh, one but two people. They would they would they, they would see something completely stupid, and I begin to you know because with some of the stuff you got to slowly explain the stupidity to them because. They're obviously slow people. So, um, you know, I get this very, you know, like this ridiculous thing. And then I got to, I begin to answer it. I'm getting interrupted by not one, but two people. And just like my, you know, my blood pressure just blew up right from the get go. I, I, I try to start off whenever I'm on, on this podcast or any other, I try to come with energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So my blood pressure is already going to be at a certain level. Yeah. Cause you're psyched so, and ready to roll. Yeah. 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 I want this to be entertaining to listen to, you know, but then when I'm getting interrupted, it's like I'm going from 90% to, you know, right up to 100% really damn fast. Mm. And I need that real comfortable 85 to 95% range there to, for it to be a good conversation. And um, yeah, and, and so I just said, hey, look, I just want an apology for being interrupted. And the response was, well, you're not going to get one, which to me was I not only don't. Uh, 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 I'm not only going to (laughs) not refrain from interrupting you going forward, but I don't respect you. That's what Mm -hmm. that said to me. If he had said something along the lines of, well, hold on a second. You said this about me or, or, you know, so we're kind of going back and forth here or something like that. Then I go, all right, let me explain why when I make fun of your ideas, it's different from disrespecting you as a person right now. Now I'm disrespecting him because I, you know, now I'm sensitive and want to, you know, lash back out, you know, but uh, at, in the moment, I'm like, I'm just making fun of your really stupid ideas. That's very different from making fun of stupid you, you yeah. know, and and but that the, in reverse to say, well, I'm not going to you're not going to get a, a, a an apology. That's disrespecting me. Well, and, and you're a smart atheist. I mean, you know how this works. You you, you got to unpack things for people like that, that have a belief and try to and try to do it. And you're not going to change their mind. It's more about it's more about, you know, setting the you know setting an example out and and show in which surprises me that they're able to get your goat. But at the same time, though, when it's three on one, 
uh, that's a that's a rough deal. Yeah, and, and just like I'm look, I'm very quickly looking down the barrel of you know thirty or sixty more minutes of conversation or whatever it would be, and just being this isn't going to be good for anybody. Yeah, you're just going to you know? get pummeled. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I got no problem being in an unfair fight when it comes I'll put I'll tie half my brain behind my back, which I think, you know, is is something that's another bad, radio host. That's, that's a bad Rush Limbaugh reference, man. Come exactly. on. Exactly. You know, but you know, in that sort of situation against two creationists, no problem, you know. It's not about the ideas. It's about being able to get a word in edgewise mm. and be able to carefully explain this thing. The the example, to give you an idea was uh, uh, you know, he was challenging evolution by saying, well, if you put a Ford Escort in the backyard and you come back a million years later, is it going to be a Ferrari? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, where do you even begin, right? Yeah, no I mean, kidding. Oh, oh wow. You got to love that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it you know, I, I, I'm not Darwin. I'm not a evolutionary scientist, you know. So there's a, there are a thousand ways in which that is a stupid, stupid, stupid thing to say. Uh, and, and if I need to go through them for you now, <laughs> I, I'm not going to because like, no, the show's no, no. not long enough, you no, know, but I'll be close. more than happy to be, feel free to tweet me at Godless Speaks. I'll try to walk you 160 characters at a time, you know, uh, I'll walk you through it. But it's a very dumb idea. And all it is, is it's a meme that's meant to stump dumb atheists. Yeah. And I get that. There's plenty of us, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. But uh, it's it's not <laughs> this isn't how science works, you know. So um, anyway, you know, yeah, yeah well, uh, it sounds, but like, it like sounds I like said, a fun one subversive kingdom that's not the conversation you're going to hear on that podcast you're going to hear i think a really nice conversation so oh, i i oh. really appreciate andy lara and uh mike area having me on for that that's funny man that's funny uh this it's been a rough week for me too dude i had some weird news uh my, my mom calls me up in the middle of a uh as i told you that i'm doing i'm back singing again right uh, but yeah. we talked we talked about it on this podcast i'm singing barbershop Tickets on music. sale I think so. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to post it soon up uh, up on the old socials here. You know, we're we're about two weeks out to the first performance. So, um, but I was at my rehearsal the other night. My mom calls me in the middle of this thing, right? And you know, we're singing uh, glorious music, man. It's, it's it's wonderful stuff. It's beautiful. It's pretty. Um, Tie a yellow ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, we actually do a song. Uh, we do a Billy Joel song. We do Lullaby. I don't know if familiar. No, okay. Uh, but anyway, um, in the middle of this thing, my mom calls me up. And, and when my mom calls me at night, even though we're both like night owls, it, it makes me go, oh, shit, something's going on. And it, so in the middle of my her- rehearsal, my mom calls me up and tells me that she's got the cancer. And uh, and, and I find out that, that my mother has been diagnosed with cancer and not just like any cancer, like cancer of the taint. Which I did not know was like possible. Um, yeah, is that like from not wiping enough? Or? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I have I have no idea. Uh, basically, but when you when your mom is describing like, okay, it's between here and between here, and I'm like, um, oh. you know what that is, mom? I was like, that's <laughs> that's uh, it's a uh, it's not ass, and it's not no, and never mind. Okay, we we don't get it. Uh, so, <laughs> I was like, it taint either one. Uh, and no, apparently she has a very like rare form of cancer uh, that is f- like of a gland 
in that area and it's like blown up into a big tumor and shit and like now Ooh. yeah I'm like, oh my god, this is fucking freaky. And like, just a couple of years ago, she had a scare with like lung cancer. So yeah. I'm freaking out now. You know, it's like, oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, when your your mom had the scare with lung cancer, I remember you're like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna quit smoking. I'm gonna quit quit smoking. Like when she gets tank cancer, you're like, I'm not gonna shit. I'm not gonna shit. I mean, what do you do? You know? <laughs> well, and I didn't quit smoking, so uh, I know yeah. you didn't. And I imagine you're not gonna quit shitting either. No, probably not. Yeah, most likely. We keep on wiping. Keep on wiping. Uh, Is it early? I mean, do you think they kind of caught it relatively early? Luckily, it looks like it, they caught it early, and they're gonna be in its intact kind of thing. So it's like a tumor intact, that hasn't broken and and spread sort of thing so it looks like they, they're they going to be able to get like but it's to the point where the doctor's like you are going in as soon as we can get you scheduled so she's going in next week like to get this thing operated on and, and how does that work do they i mean do they have like a spe- i mean usually like they just lay you out on the, on the table on your back and you know and then they operate with this is i mean do they have like the kind of table that's perfect for sticking your butt up in the air were you ever around for were you around when your child was born yeah, that's gonna be, so. That's that's gonna be it. That's I mean, you gotta because be like oh, me and the wife were talking about. It, it's like, well, it's like sort of like a pesiotomy kind of thing, you know, when they have to cut you to for the baby to come out or whatever, you know, like that that, that kind of thing. Yeah. You'd figure it'd be kind of like that, right? Where they wow. just skew you and pull that thing out. But I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a little like, freaked out about like. It. So it's just ankles up in the air. I guess. And, I don't know. I don't yeah. want to know. It's my mom. You know? Yeah, it's I like, know. <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm just thinking if I'm a doctor, I'd probably rather like like head down, face down, and then like butt up in the air. And then like I'm picturing like the gown and all that stuff, like just framing the butt, you know, like in a perfect, you know, kind of like the legs are covered. Mm. And, yeah. That uh, that's kind of how I'd picture, I, but I'm I can't. Not, I'm not picturing this. I'm not going. To, I'm not going to commit that picture to memory uh, because I, I don't want that picture in my head. I mean, if I could imagine, if I could imagine that being like you know uh, my favorite porn star or something like that, yeah. that might be a different picture <laughs> in my head. But this is not. It doesn't quite work out the same way in my in my visual. So yeah, Do I don't even want to think about that. Mom like pees in a bag for a while. How's that? How's that work? I mean, that's messing with those. No, it sounds like it sounds like it's 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 pretty localized. And and actually, from what they sound is like, it's a rare cancer, but uh, it's something that is pretty contained. And it's not like a colon cancer where they're removing part of your intestines. It's not part of it's not a part of the vag. So they're not taking part of the lady parts. Like it's in between. It literally is like in between the two. And so, which so, is good. So she's not taking. She's not taking down her OK Cupid profile. Now, yeah, no, exactly. So, so I mean, the thing is, but but it's like, which is good actually, because like there there are lymph nodes in that area and other stuff. And but it's like colon cancer is a is a killer. You know that shit. If you it because most of the time it goes undiagnosed. Like you just don't when you feel it, you're fucked. And this luckily, luckily was something that that came on quick, and she got it quick and got in there and figured out what it was, and is going to get it taken care of. But dude, talk about freaking you out, man! Yeah, I mean, that what does that feel like? Have you asked? Is well, that like a is it like I, a poop but shifted funny? I haven't really gotten into it with her yet, just because just because she's still she's freaked out. Like she was yeah. so she was so freaked out that she wouldn't tell any of us. Like she didn't tell any of the kids. You know, so like until she found out what was going on, like she had sort of assumed she went to a doctor and the doctor freaked her, freaked her the fuck out. Apparently, Uh, like told her that I don't know what this is. This is really bad. You're probably going to die. 
<laughs> and, oh. and I like shit. that doctor though. That's the kind of doctor I want. Well, you know, he's I don't a, want the doctor who kind of goes, yeah, you know, I want one that freaks me out to get me to fix it. You know. Well, and and ultimately that's what she wound up doing is going to an uh, actual good doctor and find out what it was. But but yeah, it's like it, apparently it, it scared the shit out of her for well, not literally, but but yeah, <laughs> for like two or three weeks. And oh man, and then that the whole other thing. Oh, it's just been a nightmare, man. Like crazy. But, but but she she didn't tell you until he, she knew exactly what it was. Exactly. Like, she wouldn't let any of us know until she knew exactly what was going on just because, you know, she wanted to find out. Because, like, if she had six months to live or something, she wanted to let us know kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right. Now, freaking me out, man. Freaking me out. That, yeah. Well, because well, you're adopted, so it's not like you're worried that you're going to, like, it like got passed on to you genetically, right? No, so, no. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so fuck, I, I smoke and I've gotten sunburns my entire life. I'm fucked. So, yeah, you are. So, like, it's it's going to be one of those things that's going to come to that's going to come home to roost at some point. So, you know, it's um, I'm I know where I know where I stand. Uh, I, that's definitely not what I'm worried about. It's more I'm a I'm a son of a single mother. She's all I got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like that's yeah. that's where I'm I'm at. It's like, oh, fuck, what's going on? Yeah. But this stuff never, this still doesn't like you know freak you out enough to make you go okay veggies you know Psh, nah not really I mean I'm I'm still hoping by the time uh, by the time this ri- it really I'm riddled with it they have a cure so <laughs> I'm, fingers crossed man fingers crossed I don't uh, I doubt it but you know at that point it'll be a good weight loss plan so and uh, medical marijuana so so be it. Yeah, well. yeah, while you're in there taking the tumors, you think you could take out, uh, I don't know, <laughs> 30, 40 pounds? 80, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the front and the back. We'll make it even, you know. Yeah, let's get a little bit out of each side. All right, let's get to, what, I don't even know why we're talking about this. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, we're going to talk about the old people in metal. Speaking of old people falling apart, we're going to talk about that toward the end of the show. But first, got to get into our interview with Neil Fallon of Clutch, uh, yeah. the Bakerton Group, the company band, and Dunsmere on the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, how's it going, man? It's Chuck and Godless from the Metal Sucks Podcast, man. Hey, Chuck, let me, uh, let me in my basement upstairs so I get a better signal. Right on, right on. I miss basements. All right. That's <laughs> my exercise for the day. <laughs> uh, I miss having a basement. I really do. No basements in Texas. Well, it's the coolest spot in the house, so that's why I'm down there. Yeah, exactly. Have you totally decked it out? Is it the man cave thing? No, it sucks. <laughs> so it's not even <laughs> nothing down there? Just a, That's where no, the washing I, machine is? Well, yeah, I have my um, little home studio there that's in one corner, and the rest is just moving boxes and Christmas gift wrap from 10 years ago and a washing machine. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to put some posters up there, but... I guess I'm just lazy. <laughs> I just pictured you as like a total fix-it guy that you would have built shelves by now, you know, the whole thing. I did, but, um, you know, when I moved into this house, I was really gung-ho about it. And then then I just got lazy. <laughs> Do you have a dream for that basement? Or is it is yeah, just it's like you're be just settling? The, yeah. Uh, my dream is that when me and my family are away from this house, this giant oak tree will fall down right through the middle of this house. I'll get an insurance <laughs> payment and then <laughs> rebuild it from scratch. Oh, no. Uh, that really? bad? How long have you been in the house? Uh, you've been there for a while or what? 
since 2003. I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I'm glad I have a house. And, yeah, right. You know, it, it could be a lot worse. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a small house and it's got, it's, it's built in the 40s. So it's not that old, but it's just kind of, I'm not, I'm so, I'm at home so infrequently that when I am here, I just want to kick it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to start, you know, plastering. Yeah, you start rolling your eyes at everything you see when it's around you. Oh, man, uh, I need to get to this, need to get to that, uh, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then you just kind of throw your hands up and yeah. go down to your basement and play guitar. <laughs> so when you when you like buy the house, did you like, all right, so all right, at some point there's going to be a kid, we got to check out the school system, all that stuff. Was there a plan? We bought the house based on where my wife was working at the time. She no longer works there. The kids weren't in the picture then, and now... Now we consider school systems, and um, in, now I realize that people drive down my street like maniacs, and so it makes me want to get up and go, because that's the one thing you can't change. I mean, you can renovate a kitchen, but I actually tried getting speed bumps installed, and the, the community outrage at my, pro, my proposal was enough for me to just stop pursuing it. I don't want to have to be that dude, but, you know, it's worst things to deal with in life yeah but you know you want you want a place where your kid can go out and play in the street a little bit you know i mean at least something i mean we all had some kind of opportunity to do it even in the city you know yeah you know it's i I live on a street that's parallel to a kind of a major thoroughfare anytime there's Traffic. traffic people come through my neighborhood thinking there's a shortcut realize there isn't they get pissed and then gun it down our street um so, you know, and now that he's got friends across the street, I just, it worry, keeps me up at night, you know, the idea of these kids running across the street. And I have a big sign uh, sitting in the back of my pickup truck telling people to slow the fuck down. Every, well, well, could you, not, not, could no, you, not in that language, but. Yeah. <laughs> but could you maybe get a sign that says something like, you know, future site of uh, completely topless cabaret or something like that? Some people would slow down to read, you know? Well, I, I did think about getting, um, you can get these life-size cutouts of, uh, State troopers holding a radar gun. Oh, nice! Um, that's a good idea. But I know I know that's just going to get graffitied probably within a day. But it it, it does work, and uh, you know on the weekends I put the little uh, fluorescent green kid out pretty much right out in the middle of the street um, to drive everybody bonkers. That's yeah. my passive aggressive way of dealing with it. <laughs> or you just got to put like reflective clothes on uh, like every inch of your child at the same. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like one of those, I don't want to raise a kid in bubble wrap. Yeah. You know, I want the kid to, to fall down, skin his knee, but, you know, I don't also don't want him to, you know, negotiate physics with an automobile. Exactly. But it took me forever to convince my wife to let my daughter play in the front yard. She's like, but somebody might yeah. come along and do this. Somebody might come along and do that. I was like, somebody might come along and do any number of things to any number of one of us. But you can't be afraid of that all the time. You got to let them go a little bit. But I yeah, get, uh, yeah. those are the life lessons, you know, there's school and you learn there, but you also learn, you know, when you're playing in your front yard, those are some of the most important lessons you learn. Exactly. Indeed. I put a silicon chip transponder in my <laughs> kid's nervous system so I can <laughs> track him with an app, you know. They, you know, one in the not too distant future, that's the way it's going to be the way some parents raise their kids. I think it already uh, is, actually. Yeah. I, th- I think we're already there. I mean, I sort of do it already with my kid's iPhone. You know, nah, so. the transponder is a little itchy. 
<laughs> no, but seriously, if anything bad happens to my kid, I figure it's like, you know, it's going to be like a reality show version of the Million Dollar Man. You know, they're going to take the kid apart and put him back together again with all these kick-ass pieces. You know, it'll be good. Uh, I hope so. I hope we arrive at that point soon. I was reading about, like, the Olympics, right? In the Olympics, they're trying to ban all these Russian athletes because they, they've been juicing. And, you know, I was thinking about the, the Blade Runner guy a few years ago and how, like, you know, he had to, like, have slower blades because his blades were too fast, you know? And I'm just thinking, why don't they have an Olympics where, like, anything goes? You know, you can yeah, have I, I can any... see that going to very easily where you have, like, your natural Olympics, you know, where maybe you can have, you know, a protein shake, but then there there can be the other one where you can do as much steroids as you like or have as many artificial limbs as you like. And I'm sure that'll be a something to contend with in the future. The like, supernatural. You, know, how you compete with, with the guy who, you know, has the bionic legs. Yeah, right. It's the really special Olympics. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, you take somebody with, who's never had real legs and they're so used to those fake legs. I'm telling you, they're going to go faster than anybody. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, uh, congrats on the new uh, Dunsmere, by the way. Just uh, just starting off there. I, I listened to that uh, last, uh, I guess it came out on what, Friday, something like that? Uh, uh, yeah, last Friday. Stuff is really good, man. And, uh, and, Thank you. And definitely enjoyed it. You get you in the side projects. You know, that's, that record was pretty much in the bag about a year and a half ago. You know, it took us. A long time to get it out because we were just we really honestly did it completely DIY and we realized that this is a band that because everyone else is in other bands you know touring as much as we like to do is probably not going to happen in the immediate future so we just kind of taking very conservative baby steps but you know it was a it was a blast to play with Vinny and um, you know I I love making music in any any opportunity and it's always a good exercise to jam with other people because it's always alien and it's it can be tough to wrap your head around it especially in my situation when i've been jamming with the same three dudes for 25 years and that's amazing but you can sometimes get comfortable with that and it's good to get a little scared yeah you tired of those guys are by now you, you know, <laughs> no 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 well you know the thing is is like we know each other so well we got so many unsaid rules and regulations that on how to make a tour happen um, you know, when we got home from tour, we're not hanging out barbecuing because um, yeah. we're we're in each other's grills twenty four seven at a month at a time. But you know, we do we hang out every night and you know listen to music just like we did when we were you know twenty one. Kind of a, a state of arrested development in that regard, and I'm all right with that. Well, that's like a twenty five year marriage between three guys. That uh, Four guys. It's, it's a it's hard to believe that you can. Stan, my my wife can't stand to be around me for like twenty minutes nowadays. So I, I don't know how do you guys do it. Yeah, you know, I think we all re- realize that uh, being able to go out on the road, you know, worldwide and to make records, and that's a very fragile thing. And when we when I'm speaking for myself, when I was younger, I certainly took a lot of that for granted, just thinking this is something that you do. Um, but then as time goes on, you realize it's a, it's a fragile balance and should be treated, you know, with respect. And we also realize that it's about the show. Really. It's about the people who buy the ticket to go see you play. And, and if something comes to interfere with that, then it needs to be addressed. And, um, I think we all know how important it is to, to maintain that respect for the music and the, and the people that allow you to make a living doing this. Um, it's a pretty, pretty 
special situation to be in. That relationship between band members, you know, it's fragile to start with. And then you hit just think of the the different speed bumps that you run across in a career like you guys have had over 25 years, whether it's, you know, shifting in sound, the way that you the, the different types of music that you've incorporated into your sound labels, like all the different stuff that's happened to you guys. I mean, it's been a lot of trials. That stuff is that's the stuff that breaks people up after five, 10 years. I think one of the worst things that could happen to a band when they're starting out is to like skyrocket with success. I mean, sure, that might sound counterintuitive, but if you get used to that right out of the gates mm. and uh, playing arenas or having you know your tour buses, it's a very bitter pill to swallow to go back into nightclubs and get back in the band. Mm. Um, it, if a band can do U.S. tours in a van together for a couple years, that's and and get through it in one piece that's kind of the the crucible um we never you know sure we were assigned to major labels and then got dropped uh multiple times and but we never thought oh that's terrible how are we going to go on we just said all right well let's just get get back in the van or when we had the the tour support to do it get back in the bus and play the music because that was the one thing that even if it were a uh, i don't know dire straits so you can still count on your music and the people that would enjoy listening to it yeah. and that's um that's the one steady thing it can bring you to amazing heights and get you through some low lows yeah oh uh, jp had told us there was a time in the clutch history where he was worried that the band might not continue i'm curious as to whether you would nail the the same spot on the timeline that he would um i kind of look at the end of the 90s um, maybe beginning 2000s, that was, you know, we had, gr we grinded the road. I mean, we were out constantly. And that was before, you know, families and kids were in the picture. So we were a lot, it was a lot easier to do it back then. We were, it, it was sort of like, well, are you going to go all in or, or you want to back out now? Be not because we didn't love doing it. It's because you realize you're getting at a point in your life where, living in a van isn't as fun as it used to be. And maybe you need to start th thinking about other options, but we all went all in and um, we're enjoying more success now than we did for the first half of our career. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Some of it's a mystery, but, but the band's just like a family. You, you can't, it's not all roses all the time. Yeah. And, um, but uh, you know, that's like many things in life. You just got, have to pick yourself up by your bootstraps well and i've been i was just, we were talking about before we got on the got online with you and i was like you know i said if you look at the if you look at where clutch has been and you say this is what they should have done at any moment in time you guys always seem to sidestep like what could have done this or could have done that but it's worked for you guys in a way in a way that it hasn't worked for any other band and that's a testament to you guys for for making tough decisions and seem to be you know coming out clean on the other side it's kind of amazing i think uh maybe that's something our fans have come to appreciate is you know maybe our our bullheadedness about it i think it, t it takes a lot longer to build up a fan base by doing live shows uh, as opposed to like having a massive hit on the radio or what, what have you. But once you do, once you accomplish that, those, those are fans for life. And because uh, they've come see you play, it's just not, it's not the, the band who has that song, you know, that one summer that you associate with a good time. Um, and I think clutch fans have a possessiveness about clutch that, which is a, is a good thing. And 
looking back at decisions we may have made, uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I do know we always did it with the understanding that do we enjoy making this music? And if we could answer yes, then that was sort of the litmus test of you know any decisions. Sure, there was maybe you know tours that you know weren't so great, but you know we, when you do dozens or hundreds of tours, uh, there's going to be a, a grab bag of outcomes. Yeah, but it's also kind of fun to give you know Pantera fans the finger sometimes. You know, I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> well, see, well, that's a perfect example. When we went out with Pantera. We were supporting, or Slayer for that matter, Elephant Riders, yeah. and it seemed like, um, and you know, we were playing some strange, I don't know, maybe some strange is not not the right word, but music that you wouldn't expect those fans to get into, and maybe at that show, you, we were looking at a lot of middle fingers, but it paid it, it, its dividends later on. Which, you know, I saw you open up for Pantera, you know. The, 15 years ago and they're still coming to shows and uh, you got to get your fans one at a time. I still remember like first time I ever saw you guys was Milwaukee metal fest uh, right as transnational was coming out. And I just remember the floor being like, uh, you know, empty with a bunch of crossed arms, like staring at you, like what the hell, who these guys think they are, but you guys were amazing, you know, right from the get go. You were amazing. Well, thank you. It's, um, we, and one thing I always have to remind myself, you know, particularly when you're opening up for another band, when you're looking at the front row, the people in the front row are there for the headliner act. They've been there since three o'clock in the afternoon so they can get in the front and they have absolutely no interest in anything other than that headlining band. So you may be looking at a bunch of middle fingers, yeah. um, but behind those people, and you may not be able to see them because of the lights in your eyes, you're making a first impression. And I always remind myself, you only have one chance to make a first impression. You can't redo it. And I, I still think about that to this day. Um, Milwaukee Metal Fest, I do remember. Actually, that's one of the shows I do remember very well because it was in the upstairs room, yeah. and it was uh, cavernous sound and a lot of people in corpse paint looking at us like we were the assholes. <laughs> Which is awesome. That's what, like that like that's and that's what I'm talking about. It's like these uh, such weird like twists of uh, yeah, like a zig when you should zag or you know like cuz so many so many people, you know, whether they look at from Beale Street and Strange Cousins and go, "What the hell's with the blues thing?" but you know that guy, that did a lot of good for you guys and that turns out to be like some of some of the finest work that you've done in your catalog. You know, and then the twist back to what's going on now with Earth Rocker and Psychic Warfare to kind of, you know, to take a turn to the other side. You know, it's like, and it just seems like you guys are are, are willing to just kind of go with the flow, which is awesome. You have to. Um, you know, just speaking creatively, I mean, you get, the music's got to come from the heart. And if you're any band is in a collective mood, then it behooves them to follow it because they're going to have to play these songs. And if you're just kind of going through the motions, I think it's going to it's going to be evident on stage. And I think clutch fans are very sensitive to that. If they look like a band is phoning it in, they'll just, they'll, they'll eat them alive. And, um, there has to be a sincerity to it. And, um, I'd rather, you know, look back at something and, or, or take a chance on something. And maybe it's, maybe it's not, um, what people expect. I'd rather fail doing that than say, okay, well, here's another version of our most popular songs. Um, that that would get t- 
tiring and monotonous very quickly. Yeah. You know, Chuck and I were arguing about that before we got on. We argued about a few things about, like, you know, <laughs> which, which of your albums should be in the top 10 greatest albums of all time list. Uh, we both vehemently disagree on that, you know, and so on and so forth. But like one of the things we were talking about was this idea like you just talked about is failure. And, and I feel like you guys just don't fear failure and somehow you've never really ever failed does it does it is it even like even occur to you now that failure is possible i i I would think after 25 years you'd be just like fuck it we'll do whatever we want it's gonna work out great it always has no you you can't you know you can't give somebody you know just a plate of garbage and expect them to like it you have to put put your blood sweat and tears into it it's clutch fans. Uh, you know, you meet the person who heard us for the first time on transnational and that was their first impression. And everything since then won't match up to that because that's their high watermark. Now, on the other hand, there are some kids who are younger than the band's career who got introduced to the band, you know, during earth rocker and they may go back and listen to self titled and go, well, what is this? And you, they're both right. And I don't think it's, um, it, it wouldn't be a good, healthy thing for us to try to engineer uh, a record thinking, let's get everybody everybody's opinions involved. You can't have that many cooks in the kitchen. It's kind of a simple formula. We, we get together, and if somebody plays a riff and the other guys like it, that's the only reason we need to put it or try to write it into a song. And follow your heart and not the brain have you ever like scheduled some time in the studio and been worried before you start recording that maybe you don't have it this time every single time oh yeah but i think that's a good thing i think overconfidence and pride is is what precedes failure a lot of times i think fear is good. You know, I, I stress myself out and will rewrite lyrics up until the last minute and second guess myself. And usually nine times out of 10, the first version is better than the, the 10 revisions that followed. But sometimes you have to go through that process. And also, and I think this isn't any kind of creative endeavor, whether it be writing or, or painting, the fear of kind of running out of juice is, is a common occurrence but you got to work through it. It's not, it's not easy. And um, a lot of times that worry or that writer's block is directly what precedes that eureka moment. And all of a sudden you're on cloud nine again. It's very, uh, the muse is sort of a, your psycho girlfriend in this, in, in this line of work. You know, she, <laughs> sometimes she calls you up and says she doesn't want to see you again. And then you get, she calls you at three o'clock in the morning and says, can she come over? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, you know, I, I understand. That's yeah. the analogy I think about. You know, you can't, there's sometimes neither rhyme nor reason to it. You've also got like a ton of output. Whether you're talking about like Bakerton, Company Band, Dunsmere, you know, Clutch. I mean, you're working on a lot of different stuff. What kind of is this all simultaneous, or do you compartmentalize? Do you do you put things together for each group as it goes? I I try to compartmentalize it as much as I can. I, I think if you try to do too many things. I, I tried to do too many things at once. Uh, all things would suffer. Um, that Dunsmuir record was pretty much written before we got Psychic Warfare done, and that was intentional because I didn't want to come up with what I thought might be a cool line and then think, well, where does it belong? You know, sometimes, you know, a riff might occur, and I'll just, be, and I'm sure it's the same with 
the rest of the guys, you just kind of put it away for a rainy day. It's fun. I mean, it's uh, uh, making music and doing creative things is is challenging, but ultimately, it's it's just a lot of fun. Is it odd for you to go back and play some of your older material, seeing as a lot of these albums are kind of a microcosm of time? Uh, for you so when you go back and play something off self-titled or blast tyrant or strange cousins is it is it odd it it is odd um sometimes you know if it's a song we haven't played in a while kind of relearning it and thinking well what was our reasoning behind that arrangement um or listening to a recording and knowing that i could you know myself i could sing it better than i did in the studio 15 years ago or what have you it's uh they're all like kind of like diary entries you know when you read about it you know it's a, it's a very genuine uh, reflection of that time period but you that's that was reality and uh it's 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 a good exercise to do that yeah well i'm talking to jp about how you guys do your set list every night that sounds like a fun exercise <laughs> as well because it's a you know a different set every single night picked by a different band member is that still the case yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah. Um, it, it started just as a practical thing because we, we got sick of the four of us getting together and kind of bickering or negotiating for an hour before the set of a who wanted to do what. Yeah. Um, now, sure, if there's a song that somebody you know gets it in their head that we want to play, everyone gets fair warning you know, days ahead of time and we'll rehearse it at sound check or, or what have you. And... Um, you know, sometimes if we've been on tour for a while, you know, four weeks, five, six, um, or tour after tour, uh, there's a core group of songs that kind of always sits in there. I, you want to play some rarer or older songs for the person who has seen us a dozen times, but at the same time, you also want to keep in mind the person who's seeing you for the first time who wants to hear the uh, the kind of meat and potatoes of, of you know, the clutch's greatest hits for lack of a better phrase yeah yeah what i we, i mean all the dozen odd times that i've seen you in concert chuck's seen you multiple dozens of times i don't think you could put together a greatest hits album i'd be really curious as to what in the world that would be there's so many there's so much stuff to choose from it is and we're always we're gonna always leave off more than we put in we we would do about 17 songs a night we've got hundreds of songs some of them, you know, that we haven't played in a long, long time have kind of reached mythic status. I think maybe because we haven't done them and you always want what you can't have. Uh, and there's those super fans that look at every set list every night and kind of sigh that, oh, you did Mob Goes Wild again. Well, you know, we, we did it for the person in the crowd not the person on the message board. Uh, <laughs> and I think that know. like, that, like when I, when I saw you guys one time and you didn't play space grass, but then you did play electric worry. And I was like, well, no, does that mean that I'll never hear space grass again? And then I see you in Dublin a few months ago and you didn't play electric worry, but you did play space grass. So I'm like, Oh no, I'm happy. I'm covered. Cause I just saw him like three, <laughs> you know, eight weeks ago. This is great. You know? Yeah. That's uh we, we beat or, uh, electric worry into the ground. And the thing is, is there's a lot of people that love that song. And, it, uh, but at the same time, we were kind of sucking the life out of it for ourselves. So we've kind of put it on the back burner. It'll come back, yeah. but you, it kind of has to, you know, sit in the corner and, uh, rejuvenate. 
Was it true that Lemmy told you guys that that was your ace of spades? He did, and we then we played it for about six years straight after that. <laughs> you can't, uh, if Lemmy says it, you know, you got to get, get it to stick with Yeah, him. but hopefully he didn't also say, you can stop playing it over my dead body, in which case, oh, oh man, you're going to have to bring it back, yeah. <laughs> now, he, he, that was, uh, we did two, two tours with them, and I was like, I couldn't believe, it, you know, I would have these, I didn't talk to him a lot, but I would have these conversations every once in a while with them. And, and Motorhead was one of the first metal bands that I ever heard. I remember it very well. The the kid in eighth grade with a leather jacket who smoked cigarettes was sitting behind me at the, in the school bus. And I asked him what he was listening to. He said Motorhead. And he put on the terrible 1983 Walkman earphones on my head. And I thought it was the most painful thing I'd ever heard. And, but, you know, then, then got hip to it, you know, later on and found myself five, six years ago talking to this guy. I was like, how, how the hell did this happen? It's very, it's very, very cool. Is there anybody, I mean, here you are, you're playing with Vinny, you know, I mean, is there anybody that you would still get starstruck by the same way that Chuck and I are starstruck talking to you, of course. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've been around metal and hard rock so much that a lot of these, um, bands I've met and I think I would be starstruck, uh, probably like David Gilmore, Billy Gibbons, Tom Waits, a lot of the guys that I grew up, you know, especially bands like Floyd or, or, or ZZ Top. Cause that's what I listened to as a child you know, basically, and the, they're on such a high pedestal, I would probably freak out. I'm surprised. You recorded down here in uh, Dripping Springs near Austin. I'm uh, Billy, you know, he just hangs out everywhere. So, you know, you stick around long enough, you're going to run into him. Yeah, I hear he's, he's quite social. And it's one of the one of those bands that we've done festivals many times on the other day, or they played simultaneously. And if they come to our town, I'm on tour, and I've actually never seen ZZ Top, and it's quite embarrassing to say so, but it's definitely on my bucket list. You were talking earlier about, like, it, it sort of struck me, because you were talking about how, like, when, when you're playing and, and you got the, the lights in your eyes, you can't see past that first row of people. And, and I got to tell you, like, the first thing that popped into my head was the tragedy that happened in Paris a few months ago, thinking about that same sort of situation you know the lights in their eyes for the eagles of death metal when they're on stage did you you know did you have a reaction when you heard that story and and do you have a perspective from the stage that that is more frightening than all all of us as audience members can relate to well um i did have a reaction as as we all did we we were scheduled to start a tour and we we played paris two weeks after that happened there was a lot, a lot of talk about whether or not that would happen from the promoters if they wanted to do it. And we did do a show and it was honestly one of the most um, emotionally moving experiences I've ever had on stages. There had been other shows in town, I think around that time, but you could just see these kids and adults just kind of exhaling and, you know, just doing the very simple task of having a good time, but to watch it happen with that, horror in the back of everyone's minds was uh it was hard to keep it together on stage to be to be quite honest and um but to your other question uh on stage a lot of times you can't see past the 
couple rows and you can't hear. So you're, you may be larger than life, you know, lit up, but in a lot of ways you can be, you feel as if you're in a bubble. On the other hand, you can see what's going on behind, you know, in 30 rows back and the people in the front row may be blissfully unaware of the guy who's body surfing, who's about to break one of their necks. You know, that's kind of uh, a different perspective that you'll only get if you're looking back out at the crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say this, that sometimes the larger the crowd, the easier it is because it becomes like TV snow. You don't see the looks on people's faces, but in smaller clubs, when you're right there up in their grills, uh, it can be a much more intense and gratifying experience draw some power from it at the same time when it's a when you get that direct interaction right yeah i mean if you're just a couple feet away it's good but you know sometimes you do these we'll do these fat massive festivals and you know you could you could land an airplane between the the crowd and the and the band and that's the hard energy to keep up when you feel divorced for them from them that way Considering, like, I mean, if you're on tour and, and you're hitting Paris just a couple of weeks after that event happened, A, that's immensely brave, and B, I just wonder how in the world your wife lets go of you before you head out. I mean, is that a tough conversation to have? It, it was. Uh, you know, she certainly didn't want me to go. Neither did my mother. Um, but at the same time, I think they understand it's like, if you start making your decisions based on stuff like this, then they've won. You know, if, if, if you're going to just not go out and continue to live your life and do positive things and this, something as simple as playing music, then, then we're, we're losing the battle. Um, and he also, I also keep in mind that there, there are parts of downtown Baltimore, which are just as, dangerous if not more so than just doing a gig in paris so life is filled with danger no matter where you go i'm not trying to trivialize it but it also helps wrap one's head around the idea of you can't roll up in in a shell and not do what you love yeah it's the idea of being able to play in your front yard yeah in the world you know for for rock bands to be able to travel the world has been a wonderful education and a fan in Paris, a fan in Australia, Japan, South America, they all want the same thing. And I think it's musicians jobs to go to play to those people. They're all equally of value to, to the, to the bands, whether it's a, you know, from a, from a selling records perspective or just building your fan base. I mean, it's a, Every everybody's important at this point, like you're saying, like one fan at a time kind of thing. That's how Clutch was built. Yeah, it is, and you know, there's a strange phenomenon that you know I, I, I talk about a lot. Is you know, the, the internet is sometimes looked at as you know what killed you know uh, record sales. And sure, I guess on on face value, you can say so and make that argument. But at the same time, a band like Clutch, we weren't selling uh, hundreds of thousands of records, and there was no way to gauge what our fan base was like overseas in a lot of ways. And we were told over and over again, you know, don't go to Greece. But we were getting calls from Greek promoters. Come to us. It'll be great. And finally, we went. And despite the fact that we haven't really sold any records to speak of in Greece, it was probably our biggest headlining show. No, it actually, it was for cer- certainly our biggest headlining show in Europe ever. 
you know, watching 3,000 people sing the lyrics to every single song, whether it be a brand new song or a 20 year old song, was mind blowing. And I realized that these people knew of the band, they loved the band, um, and it was because of the internet. It wasn't because they went to Best Buy and bought an $18.99 CD. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it makes the world a lot smaller, but it, it's great because it makes it um, that much more accessible. Well, as a business person now with the with the label and everything else, how do you look at that and go, uh, is there a measure of that anymore, like success or failure in that department? Is it about sales or is it about access and using the Internet to access those people? Well, as a, as a non-businessman, as the musician, uh, the success for me is just being able to make a living doing this. Yeah. That's all I think any of us are asking for is this is what we have to do. We don't have to ask off time for work to go and do a show. And that's incredibly liberating. And to me, that's, you can, I don't need any gold records on my walls. I mean, I, I don't have any, but I'm not bummed out about that. I'm just stoked that I get to play rock and roll. Uh, on the business side, you know, we had the backing of every major label under the sun in the 90s and nothing happened. Uh, now we have our own record label, and sure, we may not sell as many records as some bands, but we don't need to. It's a matter of getting the right amount of records to the right people. It's uh, you go and do shows, sell some T-shirts, and and have fun while doing it. I don't starting a label now. I don't I don't see how you could, unless you're doing like electronic dance music. I don't think you can look at it as being a a vehicle for some financial success uh, you, you kind of have to be honest with oneself about it yeah. and it, it's work and you know, it does irritate me when i hear bands kind of moan about oh well, we have to go do shows now to make money like well fuck you you know that's what it's about <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's uh it, live music has been around for hundreds of thousands of years and rate even radio and vinyl records that's brand new technology and I'm sure something else will come down the pike that we can't foresee it, but people will still be doing live shows and drinking beer and acting a fool. And that's, that's just the way we are. That was one of my favorite things that you had said. uh, I've read somewhere. I was like, uh, we don't, we don't tour to support records. We put out records to support tours. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. We kind of have to, I mean, not only, you know, just for, to keep it fresh, but you know, just the compulsion to, to write new music. It's, That's the that's what the artist is supposed to do, I think. I put the over under on you guys getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at twenty twenty four. Do you, are you guys eligible before <laughs> or after twenty twenty four? Oh, you have you have to be a, a band for how long? Twenty five years. So, yeah, so like that, maybe yeah. next year. Yeah, I, th- oh. I think uh, actually it would be wow. It's actually uh, next month will be a band for twenty five years. Wow! Wow! That's, that's crazy. It was. Uh, August of 91 was our first show as Clutch. It certainly doesn't seem like it. People ask us, you know, you can do like a 25th anniversary. And, you know, I'm, I'm stoked that we've been doing it for 25 years. But sometimes I always, it, the nostalgia kind of puts us off a little bit. We're more excited about the next 25. But to get nostalgic, are there any songs that were in that set that still pop up? For, from what set? The first from show. From ver- that first show 25 years ago. Oh, um Actually, odd that you mentioned that uh, we just did a tour with Lamb of God, and Randy 
wanted to sing with song with us, but he was like, it's got to be like one of your first songs that you haven't played in ages. So we played a song called Passive Restraints a couple nights. Oh, nice. yeah, it's one of the best. And yeah. we played that, I hazard a guess we probably played that at our first show, or at least some version of it. And um, I'm glad he made us do that because uh, I honestly hadn't listened to that song probably in 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. That's still the first song I heard you guys do. I remember it was on like some compilation or something like that that had come through the radio station I was at. And I was all oh, these guys are freaking great. And that's why it was like I had to check out the Milwaukee Metal Fest set because it's like that's all I've heard so far. And then walked out of there like just, you know, transnational, you know, spinning the whole the whole trip drive back to Detroit, you know? Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, it doesn't, I, it's, it's such a long time ago, but like I said, it, we've been having a good time and it certainly doesn't seem like 25 years. And, um, you know, we've grown individually and also grown collectively. You know, I listened to that record and it, in a lot of ways it sounds like a different band, but that's to be expected. JP was sort of acting like you guys have never really had a much of a plan. You just do what you do, and and this is where it's gotten you, and it's worked. Do, do you, when you think about the next twenty five years, is there somewhat of a plan now? Uh, I think much more so. And we now that we have our label, we we kind of call all the shots. We can put out a record when we want to put out a record. Uh, we can support it as long as we like, and uh, it, it makes it a lot easier. Um, there's it's been a bit of a learning curve doing all that, but in, it's, it can be a bit challenging being both the band and the label and having arguments on both sides of the desk amongst yourselves. Honestly, we just want to go to new places. We have only been to South America once for one show. Uh, we haven't really played the Far East much. Uh, next week, we're going to Poland and Croatia for the first time. I'm, I'm really, really stoked on that. That's for me, that's what keeps it fresh and exciting, um, is going to a place you've never been before, and there's somebody you've never met before, and they're singing the lyrics that were written in my basement, or the riff that Tim wrote at, at the studio, and it's it's really, really gratifying. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you get the Reading and Leeds festivals happening next month, or are there those happening like on the day of the 25th anniversary? I'm curious. That's a good question. Um, I could find out... Uh, it would have to be. I don't know if it would be one of the Reading or Leeds, but I know it was mid-August of 91. So it's either that or a day off. We'll be doing something, and it'll be kind of a good uh, a good point of reference, you know, doing a <laughs> mid-afternoon matinee outdoors in Washington, D.C. for 50 people as opposed to Reading and Leeds. Uh, one last question, Neil, before we let you go. Uh, have you spoken to or heard from Reed Mullen? How is he doing? I saw Reed uh, say goodbye to him on the last night of the show. He was in much better shape than he was a week prior. I mean, he got up and he bear hugged me and dislocated one of my ribs. Thank you very much, Reed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it wasn't awesome at the time well, singing yeah. the next day. <laughs> but uh but i'm better and hopefully you know he's better he's surrounded by a bunch of people who love him and reed reed honestly was instrumental in launching clutch's career so he is kind of um near and dear to our hearts and uh i i have high hopes for this next coc record
Well, Neil, thank you for taking your time today, man. We appreciate it. And as far as like new clutch, I mean, in the works, just are we just touring now for the next four years? We're kind of looking at, you know, next summer, or not, not next summer, the beginning of next year as sort of the beginning of that writing process. I mean, we've been kicking around some riffs here and there, but knowing that it'll take us, you know, a certain amount of time to get enough material to have a record, then enough time to record it and then manufacture it. You know, we got to start thinking about that now. But like I said, it, it, it's really quite simple. We just get together and play riffs we like, mm-hmm. and um, we're, I'm already looking forward to it and see what's around the next corner. That's awesome. I'm sure uh, be out, everybody be out there catching the clutch on tour and, and you know, check out the Dunsmere too, everybody. So that, that's uh, the other thing. It's a really good, uh, really good group there with uh, Vinnie Apiece and uh, who else? Uh, Dave Bone and Brad. Is that Brad Davis from Fu Manchu? Is he in, also in that it, one? It's, it certainly is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's, uh, it's, Neil, it's thank you stuff. for all so the music, you, man. man. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so much appreciation for all you've given us. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening. If you weren't doing that, we wouldn't be doing this. So, thank you.
is your only master. You love listening to podcasts. That's why you're listening to your favorite one right now. How about streaming music? Goes without saying, right? What happens when you combine one of the internet's premier streaming audio sites and your favorite Jabberjaw Media podcast? Gold, I tell you. Check out Adobe.com for some great streaming music and every single Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. is the Jabberjaw Media Block featuring the Modern Vinyl Podcast and Break It Down with Matt Carter. That's just the beginning. Adobe will be bringing you more of what you want, great music, and great podcasts powered by Jabberjaw Media. That's I-D-O-B-I, Adobe.com.
Brand new one from Corn right there. Rotting in Vain is the new song, and it sounds like old Corn. It sort of does. He's doing the scat thing again, dude. It's a, yeah. Are they, is, do you think that they're bringing back the, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, dubstep th- stuff again? I hope not. Album? I really hope not. I mean, because I, I think the their, their mid-records, like the last few that they've done, were some of the worst shit that they've done in their entire career. And this actually sounds like kind of a return return to form, at least to like, um, uh, wow, what was the name of that fucking record? Uh, the one falling away from me and all that shit. I can't think of the goddamn title of it. But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. basically that that era of corn. This is what it sounds like, and and I think it's I think it's good. I think it's actually a good thing for those guys to kind of return to that sound. God damn it! What's the name of that fucking record? Is was it take a, It was the issues or was it? I don't remember. Take a look in the mirror. Dude, I think is what it was. Was that one? Corn's not my thing. I walked uh, out on a corn show once. I feel bad. It's the uh, only, only time I saw them. I have as well. But they, you know, in in the nineties, in the mid nineties, like I was okay until they got the issues. I was pretty good, you know. And hmm. then, and then after that, I was like, ah, I checked out. So, yeah. but but yeah. no, I mean, I, I actually dig this new song. I think the the new record is is looking like it's going to be good. And what's weird is is that there's this kind of strange nostalgia that's happened with them, where there's just like. Uh, they've gotten huge crowds. I mean, I want to say like in 2005-ish, like in that era, I went to go see them at an arena in Austin, and it was, you know, seats like 12,000 people, and there was maybe 3,000 people there. It was miserable. Like I I had the radio seats that were kind of in the bad section over there, and there was nobody around me. Like I was the only person in the section kind of thing. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, cause and they played with like with hell yeah and somebody else. And it was, I mean, it was miserable and they were playing like county fairs and shit and nobody showing up and, and stuff like that. And then now there's, they're selling out freaking huge shows, man. I mean, they're playing the, I think they're playing this week here in Austin and, and they're, they're almost selling out. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy how this resurgence has kind of come back for those guys. Which, That's awesome that, you know, it's sort of like that idea of just like stick with it, you know, and Clutch yeah. is another example. Neil was talking about it where he's like, hey, you know, this is the best time of our career. You know, we're able to go to countries we've never been to before. The Internet's been good to us. And, you know, and that's kind of cool to hear, you know, 25 years into a, a career, you know. Yeah, but they but they, but their variance that they've done over their career has been. You know, the has been legit. Like they, like they've done some really cool, interesting things with their music. The stuff that Corn did didn't turn out so well. You know, like the dubstep stuff you mentioned. Like that was a good experiment, but it felt like it was forced in something that was kind of trying to get. Let's get the kids into this again, please, somebody. Let's get the kids into this. <laughs> you know, it felt desperate. Like there was a desperate nature to it. And Clutch just felt like, you know, fuck it, let's play some blues. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a little bit different. And I, I think that um, I, I just think it's interesting that now that they're kind of coming back around, they did their anniversary tour of um, uh, of uh, Life is Peachy. And that, you know, just like went over gangbusters, you know, and, and this renaissance of their of their career is all attached to like their old shit. And now their stuff sounds like their old shit, which is kind of hey, there you go. go well, Vince has got figure. this editorial on metal sucks about how uh this week about how like jason newstead basically gave an interview and he's like hey i can't really do metal anymore i'm just gonna do acoustic guitar you know and you know i can't keep up with slipknot as if slipknot were like 
fast in 2016 but uh, you know i can't keep up with it so why bother i'm just gonna play acoustic and 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 vince kind of bought it wholesale he's like yeah you know if you can't play that fa- as fast as you know as is uh, uh the most relevant band you know like dillinger escape plan and bands like that then you really should check out and bands like slayer and and the others should go away and I, I mean, I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, but I think that there's different reasons for different bands. And I think that there's plenty of bands that play slow or not super heavy, not super fast. And they are just as good, if not better, than some of the fastest, heaviest bands out there. But, you know, I, I just like we've mentioned before, you know, when I'm talking about Iron Maiden and being a huge fan of Iron Maiden, all I want to hear is the stuff from the 80s and early 90s. You know, why are we turning out new records from bands like this? You know, was was the new Black Sabbath record necessary? You know, did did we need that? Do we need a new Slayer record? Do do we you know, do we need new music from these guys or is it just enough to get the stuff that we've already that we've already had? They could live off the stuff that we have and they could tour on it forever. I think there's different bands that you expect different things from, you know, even Repentless, which was an album that people, you know, largely, I think, uh, uh, didn't flock to. It's not going to be considered one of the best of their career. It was still very a relevant record because A, it's exciting to get a new Slayer record just because it's Slayer and B, because um, it's their first album without Hanneman. And so it's like, okay, well, what's this going to sound like? Turns out it sounds like Slayer, you know? So it's, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's kind of cool. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy that. There's, there's value in that and there's value in Slayer keeping going. Well, but I think there's, you know, and like we were talking about clutch, you know, when you, when you go and you change and musically things get different for you, you know, they've, they strayed from the early self-titled into that, or even blast iron for that matter, for their, their Rocky sort of sound into the blues thing. That was a little slower, more acoustic, got other stuff that's involved in there. And now it's been hailed as like the return to form sort of thing. When they play me the stuff that's on psychic warfare and and, uh, earth rocker, it sounds like that, you know, versus a lot of these other bands that have kind of transitioned away, sort of like Newstead in this case, or uh, I think he also mentioned in that, in that editorial, Devin Townsend, you know, getting away from uh, getting away from strapping a lad, what that sounded like, even though he's been away from that from like 15 years or Opeth and their drift away from death metal or David Vincent becoming a country singer, you know, instead of doing Morbid Angel, you know, is is it a matter of limitations from those artists or is it a matter of just preference? You know, Newstead makes it sound like it's a matter of I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't play that music anymore. So I, I choose to do something different where I feel like a lot of these other guys that are in there are choosing to do something different because they don't really want to do the same thing anymore right you know and slayer it's fine slayer wants to do the same fucking thing that they've done forever and they can physically do it so why should they stop exactly and they they play freaking fast (laughs) you know so what the hell you know i i don't quite quite get the argument that that and and, you know let's talk about this new corn song i mean for corn fans that's a good song they're gonna love it you Mm -hmm. know and that and there's more audience than ever to hear it and what what is it that that you know can you is it impossible for corn to write another really awesome song just because they're over the age of 40 no but it's harder 
maybe almost definitely it's harder but then there's bands like clutch who have proven that can happen i mean if if somebody had told me earth rocker in 2014 was going to be the one of the best albums of the year i would have told them that they were crazy back in 1995 as much as i loved transnational and all that stuff Mm -hmm. i would have been like 20 years from now lucky if they're still around but here they are and doing it awesome well and and you know and and also with some of the other bands cited there like catalytic Deputation, dillinger escape plan pig destroyer you have to look at it too in the changes that those bands have made throughout their career as well you look at catalytic Deputation, and the, their last record was one of their best ever in the history of that band but it's different it's a lot different yeah. than anything they've ever done dillinger escape plan has gone from complete utter math core to like some verse chorus verse you know it's still aggressive and fast but at the same time ben wyman is not playing as fast as he used to in 2000 you know even pig destroyer did a fucking doom album you know so you know it's like well maybe maybe it's okay for people to change and you yeah. get and you get used to it because you see these same bands over and over and over again it's that it's that acdc argument right it's like would you want to see acdc do anything other than an acdc album no depends who's depends who's singing <laughs> well yeah no shit right it's like but but i don't think i'd ever want to see them do do anything else like slayer puts out a slayer record i want it to be a slayer record iron maiden puts out an iron maiden record i want it to be iron maiden you know subtle changes are one thing but but complete utter switches but i don't think that has anything to do with age you know i, I just don't think that matters you know, just because Newstead crawled into a hole in Canada because he was, you know, Flotsam and Jetsam didn't take off and, and Newstead didn't do anything. And and he got pissed off at everybody bitching at him on social media. And now he crawls out of it playing an acoustic guitar because that's all he's had in that room to, to deal with the entire time. Suddenly he's he can't play bass like he used to. No fucking shit. It's like so. Yeah, maybe. Is it the fact that he's old or that he just. Yeah. Just, just tired of you it. know there there's people at 25 who lose the spark yeah. you know there's yeah. people at 20 who lose the spark it doesn't matter when you lose the spark if you lose the spark being able to be honest with yourself and your on- audience and go yeah i'm, I'm gonna try something different either yeah. to try to re-spark or to just you know because this is what i'm interested in now i think is great and and i think bands like clutch and devin townsend and the others have all demonstrated that even corn they're like hey look you know we don't want to do what we did before here's some new ideas we want to try to incorporate them or 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 explore them and you know if we get the spark to go back and write an earth rocker later on great but if not hey maybe we get a song on walking dead in the meantime you know i mean how can you not like that yeah, no, I and, and that's the thing is like I think that's actually a good thing, you know, and and you know, but 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 okay, so one good argument I guess would be in this is that Slayer before Hanneman passed away was getting to the point where Hanneman couldn't play his solos anymore. Did you remember seeing them uh, around yeah. that around that era when he after, sure did. after the spider bite he was having a little trouble right and mm-hmm. and it, it I. I felt like it felt like, oh, shit, he's going to have to hang this up, you know, which is probably actually, you know, had more to do with him passing than anything else was the was that that realization, you know, was was that he he was having trouble doing it anymore. 
No. Yeah, if he'd just been hanging out with Newstead, they didn't, you know, he would have found love in an acoustic guitar maybe. They'd be doing their country ditties or whatever they're doing, you know. That would that would have been all right with me. And I mean, I think more relevant than than Newstead at this point, you know, who decides that he still wants to make, you know, music whatever it's going to turn out to be is somebody like KK Downing from from Judas Priest, you know, who decided he's like I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like he's just done. He, he wants to own, you know, own like a wing store or whatever, and that's it, and, and be done with it and hang it up. And I think that's respectable. You know, it's like because he probably can still pull it off or be pretty close to it, but he doesn't feel the need to do it anymore, and he can put it away. You know, but at the same, there's so many different facets to it, and every every different personality is different. You know, because then you think of guys like Bill Ward, who were accused of not being able to pull it off and not be able to do it because they didn't have the stamina or whatever it was going to take to do it, and that, you know, whether he did or not, you know, uh, but he still wants to, he wants to continue, you know, and wants to still do that and wants to still play. So it's like, ugh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it really an age thing, though? I don't think it is. I think it's an no. attitude and it's an ability thing. And that's not. We're not saying that just because we're old. We're t- well, <laughs> part of it, you know. I mean, but, I, but I'll tell you what. If if I read a review for an album and the the reviewer is like, "Oh my goodness, the, there are some new and awesome ideas on this album." If it's from a band I've never heard of before, probably from people who are all under the age of twenty five, I get excited to hear it. If I read that in the context of a band that has been around forever, I take that with a huge grain of salt. Hmm. Why do you say that? Because if you're 50, it's going to be really, really hard to come up with new and interesting ideas with your art. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's unlikely. Yeah. Whereas somebody coming from out of nowhere, you know, the wells, the wells a little deeper in that respect. You, yeah. You bet. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, technology's got a huge pl- a part to play in this. Am I going to, you know, go to a guy whose email ends in, at AOL.com and expect him to be on the, up to the latest technologies that might influence his songwriting? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But somebody else who's, you know, hacked the DNC and passed it along to, uh, WikiLeaks and told everybody it was Russia, that guy's probably got some new interesting ideas <laughs> with songwriting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, he, yeah. he knows, he knows, like there's less limitations based on all the new tools that are handed to him. Well, and then then you get that other aspect of like David Vincent doing a country album and things like that. That's interesting and can be interesting because he's never tapped that well before. So the ideas that he brings to something new could potentially be pretty interesting, you know, because it's something that has never been tried in that respect or never been because I think the Opeth stuff like the new Opeth shit is is goddamn brilliant. You know, it's nothing like the old stuff, but it's, you know, I mean, is it may be a different part of what he's creative. Well, that he's taken from, you know what I mean? So it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't think. I don't think it's, it can be like said across the board that okay, you're old now, quit. Yeah, it, it seems silly to me to to have a, a an awesome conversation with Clutch and follow that with yeah, Vince is right about old people should stop. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you're crazy. That's absolutely well, nuts. Well, but the, but you're also talking about the, the, relatively. What are we talking about? Is old? You know, I mean, because we're talking about Neil Fallon, who is who is what mid forties. You know, and then Newstead, who is mid fifties, and then you're talking about guys like Ozzy and those guys who are mid sixties, pushing seventy. No, they're older 70? than are that. They, they're seventies. Yeah, they're seventies, right? They, 
God, we're getting close to their nineties now. <laughs> they just look that way, you know. Uh, but but I mean, like, and you see, like we just had here at the radio station, we had uh, Stephen Tyler up here at the radio station uh, the other day, and he's pushing his country shit that he's doing right, and it's all about country, country, country. He's you know had a number one Billboard country hit that's out there right now, and it's like. Uh, he's he's not reinventing the wheel. He's pretty much doing that ballady shit that Aerosmith did in the in the nineties, right? And he's just but a little more twang to it. But he's tapping a different well, and he's reaching a different audience, and he's it's changing it up a little bit. But I th- I I think that and he's got to be in his fucking nineties too, you know? And yeah, if you can do it well, then I don't care who you are, how old you are, or anything like that. And know? I I mean, hell, two thousand years ago, you're lucky if you lived to forty. So you know. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I know. Oh, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm sad. Uh, well, I don't know. The age, man, it's not about age, man. It's how you feel in your brain, man, you know? Uh, and then that's the thing is that you, you may judge somebody who's older whether or not they were going to have ideas. You may be predisposed to think that they might. But in the end, if you've got a great fucking song, it doesn't matter if you're 90 or if, or if you're nine. It do, it really doesn't fucking matter. I mean, who would have thought we'd be talking about three little Japanese girls as being one of the juggernauts of fucking metal uh, 10 years ago? You know, and yeah. and will we be talking about them 10 years from now? I don't know. You know, the, we may or We'd may be not talking about three different Japanese girls at that point. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. But, Maybe, but, yeah. You know, but it, it, Jason Newstead's going to come back to metal. I mean, let's be honest. You know, it's it, he's he's just a few years away. It's maybe a warm months. Yeah. yeah, this is a warm up to him doing something. I'm not saying that he's going to be playing in a Metallica cover band in Trenton, New Jersey. I'm saying that he's going to be. He's gonna. He'll come back to doing something because at some point he's gonna be like, "Hey, I got the spark again." And yeah, and that that's great. That's great too. You know. And when he realizes that you don't really need bass in metal anyway, so it'll all be good. (laughs) You said it, man. Uh, I I, you know it's a little chum for the water. I had to throw it in there, man. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this thing up, man. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Neil Fallon for being our guest this week. Uh, Make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast, Google, Stitcher, Play, wherever you get your podcast. Just click that subscribe button. That way, it comes right to you every week. If you don't do that, MetalSucks.net every single Monday. That's where we post it. This is number one hundred and fifty-seven. If you click on the podcast tab at the top of metalsucks.net you're going to see 157 podcasts all listed right there well maybe on on multiple pages but 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 you can find all of our old podcasts there and check them all out if you uh, feel so we've had people that have told us that we started they started at number one like just a few months ago and we're like oh my god i was like yeah and i felt sorry for them uh, but but you can do that if you go to metalsucks.net and click on the podcast tab you can also find us on social media i am at bearded ape I'm at Godless Speaks, Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and Twitch. And at Chuck and Godless on Instagram, as well as ChuckandGodless.com. That'd be our Patreon. We've got uh, some extra content and some cool stuff. If you listen to our Ash Avelson episode, we got an extra little bit with him. We got an extra little bit with um, uh, Dave from uh, Revocation and some other stuff that's exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. So you might want to check that out. We might even have an extra podcast this week, a little snippet for you as well. So just a hint, hint. So Patreon slash Chuck and Godless if you want to get that. So till next week, I am Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is another Metal Sucks podcast.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.